Love Me Wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love, and we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Yeah, and it's truly taking all of my self-control not to just launch into the uh, <laughs> Alexander Hamilton opening number I know, here. So I should have like wrapped that opening. I should have had you drop a beat, and then I got <laughs> spit a verse. <laughs> yeah. JK! <laughs> we got uh, no place doing that. But we're here to talk about Hamilton fever. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Five years in the making, just simmering along. Well, there's a boil there for a while, but you know what I mean. It was good timing, though, because I feel like I was fully sort of like done with Hamilton. And then when this and now that the movie came out on Disney Plus this week, I was like very into it again and into the music. Mm, Like, I think if this had come out two years ago, I would have been... (laughs) sort of maybe like less okay. enthused but okay yeah you know. sure i mean that is i don't think is true i mean honestly matt like wait you which part do you... soul searching like you think two years ago you had been like nah i'm not gonna watch this no i think i would have watched it but i think i would have been like there was some of that excitement from back in 2015 <laughs> when i watched it this time because i had like sort of forgotten about some of it mm, i see yeah, I mean, for everyone listening, let's just get it out there. Matt, like, saw the live performance. So, like, he's really in tune with, like, Hamilton. You know, he gets it. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> Hamilton, it came out back, way back when, in 2015. Um, When I moved to the city, it was, like, the beginning of Hamilton fever. You know, mm-hmm. like, I think it was just transitioning maybe from... It opened off Broadway at the Public Theater and then transitioned to Broadway. And mm-hmm. I think I was, I think I got here like just as it had transitioned to Broadway. So it was very big. Everybody was trying to get tickets to it. <laughs> it was a very like hot button thing. Uh, you know, people were listening to the soundtrack or whatnot. And then we started working together in early 2016. And I feel like you were also obsessed with Hamilton at yeah. this point. Like both of us were. Oh, for sure. I mean, it was impossible to avoid. I think, um, it obviously in New York, especially everyone was talking about it. The lottery was like a daily, you know, yes. chance to get your heart broken. And then on top of that, it had won like a Pulitzer. Like it was a big deal. It was constantly in the news, constantly on your Instagram uh, captions. Like it was everywhere. And I remember I never watched, I never got to see it because, um, first of all, it was very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Tickets would sell out very quickly, be scalped for insane amounts. Um, and then to sort of circumvent that, Lynn Manuel's strategy was to say, well, we'll just charge extra for the original tickets so scalpers aren't the only ones making the profit. So then it got even more expensive. And, the lottery went digital, so it became even more unlikely to win it because you could be in Connecticut and enter to win the lottery. Oh, I mean, yeah, you could be like in mm. Tennessee and enter to mm-hmm. win the lottery. <laughs> well, just because the they were doing an in-person lottery, which I think... I think pre-Hamilton, most theaters that had lotteries did in-person lotteries. So you'd have to like go and wait outside the theater and then you put your name in like a hat and they pull them out and whatever. 
because I've done some of those. Now they're almost completely digital. But the thing was that Hamilton had so many people entering this digital or this in-person lottery that the people were like blocking off part of the street. (laughs) There was like they couldn't get everybody's names written down and the time period that they had. Like it was just mass pandemonium. So that's how they ended up going to this digital system. So once it moved to digital, I sort of like I think I maybe entered like five or six times and was like, I'm entering against thousands of people. Like I'm never (laughs) going to win. This is a lost cause. Honestly. Yeah. And so plus they were the cheapest. uh, They were the cheapest because they were doing their Hamilton for a Hamilton deal. So it was like a $10 rush ticket or a $10. Yeah. For front row. (laughs) So everybody was trying to get like even people who had tickets were trying to get (laughs) Hamilton tickets on the lottery. And we ended up, our coworker had like a credit, like the some credit card was doing a deal for early tickets for like a year in advance, like six months in advance, something outrageous. Like a year. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had been waffling on whether I wanted to or not because I had sort of, I had been dating Rob at the time and I kind of figured there was a chance I would not be in this city by the time the show actually happened. And so I ended up not buying the tickets but you did and you saw it in the flesh yeah well i have two cousins who were who are still obsessed with hamilton and have seen it like multiple times seen it touring seen it in (laughs) chicago seen it in new york like obsessed to a level that's even beyond myself (laughs) and so i was texting them was like hey this woman who i work with like has eat early access to these tickets do you want to and they were like yes like get them it doesn't matter what the price is like we'll pay for yours we'll come into the city um so there is no way that i would have ever gotten to go uh except for the fact that like my cousins (laughs) paid for it and i got this early access through a friend at work but we ended up so like i think we bought the tickets like in spring of like spring winter of 2016 and then Mm. we didn't actually go until february of 2017 so by the time i went most of the oh i think almost all like all of the main original people were gone there was still like some original people i guess in the like chorus um but but yeah it was it was crazy and you'd see these things where like celebrities had gone (laughs) you know, dozens of times and there were lines just for people who would like stand in the back or Mm -hmm. like fill seats in corners. Everyone was trying to like, oh, my second cousin, you know, went to college with somebody who plays the flute in the orchestra. I'm going to see if I can get tickets from that. Like it was just (laughs) crazy in New York. And every time you saw someone on social media who had somehow managed to get a Hamilton ticket, it was like, how did this person do it? Like, <laughs> I'm so jealous. I need to text them, see if they have extra. Do they know somebody? Like, what is happening? It was just yeah, a wild I time mean, to be alive. Even uh, the national tours, even now, like, I think it came to Houston in like 2018, I want to say. And they were sold out even before the year started because people bought season passes to yes. the theater here so that they could be on the first list for season passes of the year Hamilton would be like it was a year of planning (laughs) just to get that Hamilton ticket and so we've never even had a chance to see it here um same thing for all these national tours it was very hard it's a very hard show to get into and that itself sort of led to you know I think Broadway gets a lot of uh, a lot of complaints for sort of its elitist uh 
Uh, I mean, culture, just because tickets are few and far between and also very expensive. And so shows that become sort of these pop culture phenomenons are still very limited in who gets to see them. But what was interesting about Hamilton is sort of like Wicked, it became like a a chance for social like commentary, like it popped up in movies, TV shows were referencing it like Hamilton is still a huge cultural phenomenon that people can use to reference in like character marks like last year in knives out one of the you know this this movie about taking down these faux liberals one of them happens to reference hamilton and make sure to point out that he saw it while it was at the public which is just like that's like a very real thing that we've all (laughs) seen and experienced Mm -hmm. and so it's funny that that was sort of the energy towards hamilton is like yes it's great we love it we love it but it is sort of used as this like humble brag when people bring it up sometimes. <laughs> well, cause it's interesting. There's, I mean, there's, I don't know, maybe like 40 some Broadway theaters and then also all of these off Broadway theaters and they have shows going all the time. I mean, not mm. now that Corona is happening, but in general all the time. And like, even as someone living in New York, there's lots of shows that I have never heard yeah. of, you know, that someone mentions, oh, I saw this. It's like, what is that? Who is in that? Like, nobody knows, nobody cares. So <laughs> for something to transcend being a show that you know about New York to being a show that, you know, my mom knows about in Michigan is crazy. And yeah, I think maybe the last time that that happened before Hamilton was Wicked, which was like in the early 2000s. So it is crazy that it became this giant phenomenon. And so obviously there was the show, but then people loved it so much they opened a whole store here in new york that just sold the hamilton merch they released various <laughs> versions of the cd there were you know they did mixed a mixtape that had all of these guest singers on it they did a this big like decorative um like behind the scenes book about Hamilton yes. that I think they thought, oh, this will sell. Okay. It became a bestseller. They like ran out of copies. They had to like print all of these copies overseas and get them shipped to the U S because it was just like so many people wanted to read it. All there were all of these weird, like YA books and things about Alexander Hamilton, like the historical figure separate from the show that got released after that, that people read uh, originally Alexander Hamilton who was on the $10 bill was supposed to be bumped off and they were going to put Harriet Tubman on that one and then because the show was such a big deal they decide oh no we'll keep Alexander Hamilton we'll bump Andrew Jackson off the 20 instead so it's just like all kinds of craziness happening mm-hmm. from this show that is like a phenomenon m- much bigger than well, and just you, a Broadway show. You forgot to mention that it gave us Lynn Manuel Miranda in Hollywood. So yes. <laughs> we yes. got to see him a lot over the last few years. Well, because he, his first show in The Heights, which is also a movie that was supposed to be coming out this year, mm-hmm. I mean, I think like won the Tony for Best Musical, was a big Broadway oh, success. Yeah, 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 but like, sure. I'd never heard of it. I'd never heard of him prior to moving to New York. And Hamilton, yeah, just like took it to a whole nother <laughs> level where he's writing songs mm-hmm. for Moana and he's doing <laughs> carpool karaoke and he's just popping up everywhere and anywhere. And Mary Poppins, like, don't forget. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I try to block that True from my mind. artist. Um, no, Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that was a big part of its appeal is obviously this like it's an entire. Well, I mean, all the main characters are people of color. Um, It's a colorblind cast. So it's just like these black 
people mostly playing these, you know, famous dead white dudes. And so that in itself was sort of revolutionary for Broadway, brought in a lot of conversations about how, see, people are capable of watching a colorblind show and not getting confused about why this person doesn't look exactly like the person they're meant to, you know, be portraying. And it also gave all these Black um, actors a chance to all these actors of color a chance to break out in a way that they hadn't had opportunities before. And so now there is like a lot more, like Hamilton did a lot for the community itself in that it it gave a lot of exposure to these actors who have now become household names, whether or not they're staying on Broadway or trying their hand at Hollywood. And so, yeah, I think it was a huge success and people Loved it because it was, it's an easy thing to love. I mean, one, it's just so different. You know, you have a hip hop historical fiction (laughs) musical starring people of color. And it took something that had never been interesting to most people, which is our history, and put it into a a easy to follow like ditty about... (laughs) about all sorts of things. So I think it, it makes sense that it that it had the impact it did, especially thinking about when it came out, which was 2015. We were in the golden glow era of Obama post-racial America. And we all thought we were so woke and so, so whole as a country. And I think what's been interesting in having the movie come out now is just how different the culture is now and how that has sort of changed the tune of criticism or commentary on the play itself because it's just a vastly different world than what it was in 2009 when Lin-Manuel Miranda premiered the I think he's saying either my shot or the first song to uh at a party for Obama so and he went viral for it and it was sort of the first the beginnings of this idea that he could make a full-fledged musical out of it and so watching that you know, that sort of optimistic idea about, yeah, let's do this show about about the greatness of American dreams and this scrappy young man, this scrappy young immigrant who made it happen and then seeing how sort of it's aged well or not as well as maybe people thought in, in 2020 when we're dealing with a, a much different uh, racial conversation. Yeah, so the the movie version that was released on Disney Plus is not like your typical uh, movie version of a musical like Les Mis or Mamma Mia or something where they just take the Broadway version and turn it into a movie. This is actually like a filming of the Broadway show mm-hmm. that they filmed back in 2016, I believe. Yeah. And I was unclear on if they ever thought that they would release it in this form when they were filming it. I read somewhere that it was filmed sort of for like documentary purposes, that it was filmed, that they filmed three um, like different nights of the show. And Mm. then they also, you know, filmed without the audience in there so they could get some different close-up shots. But I don't know if, did you, do you know if they originally, like if they, if this was always the plan to release the full stage version like this or not? Well, I remember, and I think it was honestly this year, but I don't, I don't know for sure. But I think this year Lin-Manuel had originally mentioned like, yeah, we're definitely doing a Hamilton musical. And people thought that meant, oh yeah, we're going to film a theatrical dramatic version of it. But then he was like, no, we already recorded it. Like the stage production. 
but we're holding on to it. And so I think there is room to believe that it wouldn't be available for mass, you know, consumption because a lot of Broadway shows are filmed and then those films are kept in like libraries for people who are studying theater to have access to or, you know, um, whatever it is. So I don't know if he had envisioned such a wide release, but it, it also doesn't it doesn't surprise me at all because this was a huge event and it turned out to be a huge boon for Disney plus who streamed it. So I think it was just a matter of time of finding the right deal for Lin-Manuel to be like, okay, yeah, let's release this to everyone. And it was originally meant for theaters. And I think it was meant to come out next year, but with COVID and quarantine and in the Heights being pushed back, Lin-Manuel announced that he would be, that Disney was rushing to release it this week, then the, the 4th of July weekend of 2020. And here we are. <laughs> well, and one of the questions that sort of come out about after watching this is like, well, why doesn't every Broadway show do this? Because, mm-hmm. you know, Broadway is such a, you know, it, it's so small, these theaters, like the reach is just not there. You basically, you have to either come to New York or live in New York. You have to buy these expensive tickets. Like why not just put every show online once the run of the show is done. Mm -hmm. But I think especially with something like Hamilton, the reason why they didn't want to release this originally until 2021 was because like, okay, we're making all this money off all these tickets. If there's a movie available, are people as likely to spend a lot of money on a ticket? But now that they're, you know, they haven't made any money off Hamilton in four months of the show and they're having to refund all of these tickets. And then, you know, now at this point, like Broadway's closed through the end of this year at the earliest. None of these touring groups are going on like they're not making any money. So I can see how they're like, well, if we release the movie version now, then, you know, people will be buying merch and stuff around this release and hopefully then they'll be sort of hungry to go see it again in a year when theaters open back up so it is sort of like a savvy move I think Uh, yeah Uh, yeah (laughs) which I think plays into some of the criticism it got but before unpacking all of that how did you how did you like the movie how do you how did it compare to seeing it live you know I mean so when I saw it live it was with different cast members Mm -hmm. so it was definitely really cool to see it with all of the original people singing their songs because you know that's these are like the versions of it that we've heard Mm -hmm. on the cast album you know like these are the voices that i recognize where when i saw it live there were some of the performances that i was like oh this person isn't quite as good or isn't doing it the exact same so I really liked watching this, but also because I had seen it live, I knew all of the staging and stuff. So there wasn't like the same element of surprise, I think, watching it now as when I saw it the first time. And it's like, oh, the stage is spinning and, you know, the different things that are going on that you can't hear on the cast album. What yeah. do you think, though? Because this was the first time that you had seen it in any form. Yeah, I um. Rob was very, very excited, as was I. I thought I was I thought it was excited. I mean, we had a whole projection set up. We waited until it was dark so the lighting would be perfect and we were very into it. Like we bought a a cord to connect a Bluetooth speaker so it could be a little louder than our usual TV. Like we were we uh-huh. made an event of it because we yes. had unfortunately missed uh any live version of it. I liked it. I think it was sort of jarring to watch it in 2020 than it would have been in 2015 or 2016 and I think 
that was interesting to me because I hadn't gone into it thinking like anything bad about Hamilton. Like I hadn't had any qualms with it before. I hadn't been like, I'd been excited. Like I was stoked to finally see this in action because I've listened to the soundtrack so much. I've loved it so much. I've been hyped for it. But for some reason, it like, it just didn't like, it wasn't that it was bad. Like it's obviously very well done. Even as like watching a stage production on video, which can sometimes be very hard. It was easy to watch, very engaging. Obviously, everyone is so talented. It was so powerful to see. I loved like the satisfied performance, which does something really cool with the mirroring the helpless performance that came before it. And so it was cool Mm -hmm. to see all the production elements. But for some reason, it just like kind of felt a little... I don't know. It just didn't stick the landing for me. And I, I've been sort of thinking about that all weekend since then and just being like, why didn't that feel as like cool and fun and empowering as I thought it would? And it's been really cool to then go and read these new critiques of it and sort of the uh, different perspectives on it and sort of the pushback against Hamilton, which we can get into and which I don't fully agree with. Like there were some people on Twitter who were like, this is so problematic. It needs pulled from Disney plus. Like this is just another glorification of our founding fathers who were all racist. And I can understand the criticism, but I don't agree with the sort of end result, which is burn it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Cause I think Hamilton as a show is a very interesting case study in like everything we've talked about so far and also how it relates to, the conversation we're having as a country right now about our education and our hero worship and our ideas about how this country is founded. So I think it just all became a lot more interesting once the movie version was over and I was sort of able to unpack why it didn't feel as like hoorah as I felt the first time listening to the soundtrack. But I don't know. It just like left sort of a weird huh in my (laughs) mind that I wasn't anticipating. It definitely like hit me differently watching this time because I think, yeah, when you're listening to the soundtrack or watching it back in, you know, 2015, 16, the the message that you're sort of with or the stick with is like, yeah, like fight for your dreams, you know, like take your shot. Anyone can make it like this is America, you know, immigrants, everybody like coming together. It doesn't matter who you are, like you can achieve your dream. And I felt like watching it this time, I was much more keyed in on sort of like the revolutionary moments of it, of like, this king is bad. We got to get rid of him. We got to fight for what's right. Um, And sort of that, those moments, especially in the first half of the show, I think stuck out to me more than they had Mm -hmm. in my like original listening to them. Um, But yeah, no, I've also seen some of the, you know, critiques and thoughts about it now on Twitter. And I think, I think part of it is just the, I mean, definitely part of it, I think, is like evolving our thinking since then, which Mm -hmm. I think is really good and sort of like looking at things with a a more critical eye than we maybe did back then. But I also think there's an element to it of like it's it's five years old now. And Mm -hmm. so there's just like what is it like the bloom is off the rose a little bit with it. There's not like that same level of excitement and newness to Mm -hmm. it. And like I think you see that with with everything, with every movie or show or book or anything that comes out. It's like 
that's really popular and early on everyone is so excited about it and is really like looking at all of the positive elements that make it so different and new and then once it's been around a while and those don't seem as novel to you anymore then you can sort of go back and like you know maybe nitpick it more and say oh well I don't like this well oh I don't like that and there's sort of like the backlash to it and then I feel like eventually if something's around long enough you kind of it like swings back towards the middle so you can sort of look at it more objectively um and i think that we're for hamilton we're sort of like in that backswing right now which mm-hmm. i don't yeah so i i saw i definitely saw a lot of people on social media who had never seen it or you know especially people who i think this was like a new experience for being like oh my gosh this is so cool in so many different ways but i also feel like those of us who have been listening to this for five years are now a little bit like well you know it's exciting but also like Thomas Jefferson was a bad person and he didn't really get like called out for that as much in the show as he probably should have or like you know this doesn't really address Native Americans at all and that is obviously a huge part of the founding of America is just like that atrocity and it's really never brought up Mm -hmm. so there's there's just some things like that that sort of feel like they're there there's like a little bits of gaps in the story yeah, yeah, and it's like it's jarring to watch like Black Lives Matter protests and then turn on the TV and watch sort of a film that you could kind of get these almost just because of the the current situation. This sort of propagandic feel of like see America's great. We've fought for this mm-hmm. forever. But you're kind of yeah. like, well, did it really work? Like I mean, you know, it's it's really cool to see all these black performers singing about how great America is, but they're portraying people who made it very hard for black Americans to enjoy this country, you know? And so that is like something to wrestle with. And I think the backlash is maybe like too extreme. Like I, I'm, you know, we're English majors. I went to college and all I did was just like, oh, like death of the author. Like, let's study this. Like, what does the art mean to you? And that's its truth. And like, how can we unpack this? And so I really value anything that's complicated and interesting and timeless enough that you can constantly go back to it and find something new, something interesting, whether that's positive or negative. And so I think it's honestly another plus in Hamilton's favor that there is still such an interest in what this represents, what Lin-Manuel Miranda wanted to accomplish versus what he actually did, and all the conversation that can come from the singular like two and a half hour play, I think is so interesting in and of itself that I just like get giddy over like (laughs) the critical thinking around something like this. So I think it's like it adds to the the Hamilton fervor as a whole rather than detracts from it. And I think it again drives home this message that we're sort of getting now, which is that one source should never be your only source on history. You know, (laughs) like Hamilton wasn't designed to be your introduction to, you know, the American revolution and the creation of the constitution. Like this is at its core, a fairy tale, like a historical fiction, emphasis on the fiction. And it's like, you can't expect it to tell you everything you need to know and get all the facts right, because it's just, that's not what art has ever been designed to do. And so I think that's been interesting too, is seeing people be like, well, Hamilton himself was actually very problematic. So 
are we just romanticizing him now and losing sight of the real history? And it's like, well, yes, but we're having a conversation about it. And that itself is driving people to study it more and understand it more. And that's interesting, isn't it? And so, I don't know. It's all just very uh, yeah. messy and oh, yeah. interesting. <laughs> well, and I don't think that, I mean, I don't think that Lynn himself even would be, would say like, oh no, I think all of these people were good people. I mean, yeah. like the whole point of the show i feel like is to kind of like hamilton is not that good of a person like he's he in some ways he's very ambitious and that is good but also he does a lot of terrible things and the fact that he he sort of like is almost removed at the end and Mm -hmm. eliza becomes like the central figure moving forward i think speaks to the fact that lynn knew okay well hamilton like yes he's he should be like there's certain things to be appreciated about him, but then there's also lots of other things that he right. did poorly. And I feel like they're all that he also brings that up with like Thomas Jefferson and James Madison. I feel like really the only person who he doesn't really critique at all is George Washington. <laughs> yeah. Um, which so <laughs> that I think, you know, you could probably reexamine. But yeah, I don't I think I think it's really good that people are looking at this and yeah that people are seeking out history in other forms because honestly yeah this is a broadway musical it can only be however long uh you know this isn't like a historical textbook or anything so if you if you like me are using this as your basic like i can't really remember the revolutionary (laughs) war this will cover it well maybe you should go and check out some other things before you're like George Washington was an amazing person who did nothing <laughs> wrong. It's like, well, yeah, you're basing that on three songs in a musical. So, yeah. like, let's reexamine that a little bit. Like, yeah. sure, he was good in some ways, but maybe he wasn't in other ways. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was interesting. I lived right by the Hamilton house, so I went there. Um, oh, yeah, we went there oh, together. yeah, you were there. And so we went there to do the tour, and it was funny watching these tour guides who have dedicated their lives to this this house that has obviously been preserved long before Hamilton the musical happened. And they were all kind of a little salty about Hamilton the musical. And I just remember thinking that was so interesting because they were like, I mean, they thought they, it's just like a different perspective you're getting on Hamilton, if only because it's written by a person of color who's seen a lot of his own, you know, Lynn Manuel talked about how he saw a lot of his own story in this in this book, you know, he read Ron Chernow's biography of Hamilton and thought that was such an interesting story of this guy that is easily forgotten as one of the founding fathers. He's not as like, you know, sexy and interesting as George Washington and Ben Franklin and Thomas Jefferson, but he still had such an impact and he came from like nothing. And so Lin-Manuel was attracted to this story, told the story with his own biases and visions that were again influenced by Ron Chernow's own biases and interpretations of history as a white man doing a biography about a historical white man. And so just those layers of sort of removal from fact lead to a musical that is oversimplified by the fact that it covers like 20, 30 years in a two hour period. And like, yeah, we can't, I don't think it's saying it's excusing anything bad to say like this isn't the full picture and you can't expect any musical or movie or single book to cover the full expanse of something like this. Also, it's like I think that 
now in 2020 you sort of take some parts of Hamilton for granted and it's like the yeah. the crazy like the diverse casting the fact that he was giving away like uh full theaters you know multiple times a month to have all of these school children from New York come in and get to see this show that normally they wouldn't get to see um that he was doing the ham for ham and giving away all of these tickets for free um the 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 show i think has a lot of net positives where you have all of these actors now who are on you know who are touring all over the world yeah. getting to play these roles that you know normally weren't there for them and i right. think that from the influence of hamilton there's been a lot more of like oh well you know what maybe alphaba can be a asian woman where mm-hmm. before you know they weren't doing that so yeah i think it is I think that there's also some positives in just like the Broadway community as a whole yeah. going forward from Hamilton. Definitely. I think it was like, and I mean like proof in the pudding here because I was immediately like Googling like, Oh, why don't people like Hamilton anymore? And it's like, I found out so much more about Hamilton, the historical figure than I did from this play. I was like, oh my gosh, did you know that the Schuyler sisters came from a slaveholding family and that they were notoriously bad? Like his dad, her dad was a notoriously bad slaveholder in New York. And like, actually, Hamilton did help sell slaves for his father-in-law. And he ultimately helped do the deal of the the compromise of the three-fifths compromise, which said black people were worth three-fifths of, you know, for the property of these white men in the South. And so it's like, wow, he is problematic in the same way a lot of these people who formed a government that protected slave owners and racism and sexism were. And so it's like, I'm honestly like more intrigued to learn about these factual discrepancies, but it hasn't pushed me to be like, oh, see, Hamilton is dangerous. Hamilton is propaganda. Hamilton the musical is is proving this point that we whitewash our history. Like, I think it's more complex than that. And I think um, there's been so many interesting like think pieces on it that have come out this weekend from like Vox and all sorts of people who are wrestling with this about turn and it's funny to read their original 2015 reviews and how different those were and I think just that like growth there is something that should be seen as positive rather than OC Hamilton's canceled like it's over you know (laughs) also I think just in general it's good and smart anybody who lived before like 1900 is probably problematic in a lot of ways so just like anybody from before that 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 you are thinking is a really great person like you should probably check up on that just because you know like yeah there were some like it was just a darker time in history so well and that's an interesting criticism too that i saw which is this idea of the colorblind casting, which in itself, you know, like we've talked about, was very empowering. It was great to for white people to see black people play something other than, you know, slaves or rape victims right. or whatever it is. And just be like, oh, wow, they're talented people. Like, who would have thought, you know, like a great wake up call for a lot of people. But uh, some people's concerns with Hamilton, the musical, is this idea that instead of highlighting the black people voices bodies alive at that time they instead use black bodies to protect the white perspective of you know 
our white history of the founding of America and how we can just gloss over the ugly parts and put a fun little reference to racism and slavery with Thomas Jefferson's song, but we don't really have to unpack it because look, there's black people on the stage and they're saying it's okay and it's good to go. We can just enjoy this musical number right now and not worry too much about Sally Hemings treatment, you know? And so that I think was a really interesting and provocative criticism where I was like, that is like, you know, what are like, I thought that was just such an, interesting take and it came from someone who admitted that she is still a fan of the musical like it's like we're allowed to have these complicated relationships with things like this exactly because they are important in their own ways as a musical that changed broadway and they allow for interesting discourse on how we continue to use black actors or how we you know hide black stories or which stories we choose to elevate and i think it's just that has been such a interesting conversation to sort of tune into. Well, and and anything like Hamilton that is involving so many people and so many different like voices and visions throughout this whole process. Like there's going to be things that you can really get behind and then there's going to be things that you can't. And especially as time moves forward, like those are going to change over time. But I think, yeah, this impulse that I think you sometimes see on social media, that's like anything that there's a problem just to like get rid of it immediately, I think does sort of like rob people of the experience of like thoughtful, critical thinking about things, which is what I think is more important in the long run than just, you know, getting rid of everything. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I mean, so do I find myself like eager to sit down and rewatch the musical? No, but I also don't feel like if it came on my Spotify shuffle that I'd skip a song, you know, because I think there is still much, still so much like talent and skill and, and energy and fun behind this music that I still find it very enjoyable. And I don't think that makes me like I would hope that doesn't make me like hypocritical, you know, because I think it's still like the two things can both be true. On a much, much lighter note, (laughs) I don't know if you've been on TikTok very much, but there is a new TikTok trend that is relating to the fact that Jonathan Groff spits so much as the king in this. And there's, it's just like all kinds of TikTok videos of, of like, you know, using the clip of music from that and then like having a power hose shoot them in the face or, you know, like all just rant. It's been very interesting <laughs> to watch how of all of the things from Hamilton that would go viral on TikTok, Jonathan Groff's spit is the one that has really, you know, oh, risen above shocking. the sea. It really, yes. it really disturbed me when I saw it. I was like, oh, I had to look away. Like I couldn't. It was just so gross to me. And like, I am not a Broadway singer by any means, but I have definitely belted out a large number of songs like in the car by myself Mm -hmm. and never have I spat that much. So I don't like, is this just a, is this something that I'm missing and I would be a better singer if, you know, like my mouth was more saliva filled or (laughs) is this unnecessary? Like I have so many questions about the spit. Yeah, well, honestly, right before he came out and did that, I had turned to Rob and I was like, I bet these people are getting spat on a ton just because they're like rapping, you know, like it's a lot of enunciation. (laughs) But it seemed like for whatever reason, he really leaned into that as a character. And I think it might have been a purposeful choice or 
the film director was like, I hate this guy. I'm gonna zoom in on this. Yeah, right why now. <laughs> keep those? Why keep those shots too? Yeah, <laughs> mm. alarming. I know. Did you have like performances or or parts of the show that you were like, oh, this was really cool, or I really like this, or that made you sort of see it in a new light based on you know having only listened to the soundtrack before? Yeah, I like I said, I really loved Satisfied. I think that's probably the best performance of the show. I mean, along with Helpless, mm-hmm. honestly, I, I liked both of those actresses. Um, but Satisfied, just I had heard that they did this, like, you know, there's a rewind motif in the song. And so I knew sort of to expect something like that. But the detail there really made you want to rewind, watch Helpless, and then watch Satisfied again to see how they really staged it so well. Um, mm-hmm. And then, I mean, I'm trying to remember. I think the one thing that really stuck out to me, though, was just how, like, how danced around Lin-Manuel Miranda was. Like, everyone else (laughs) in the show was, like, on another level just on charisma, talent, singing. Like, and that's no shade to Lin-Manuel. I mean, I guess it's a little bit of shade to Lin-Manuel Miranda, but... I mean, I've talked about how he likes to insert himself in things and that includes his own musicals and like more power to him because he wrote them. So like, congrats. But you could kind of tell he was the weakest of the links, you know? (laughs) I mean, I think that would be so like hard to be him in, in this world where like he grew up on theater. He loves theater. He loves performing. And I'm sure that in his high school or, you know, like college, that he was great. He's obviously very talented when it comes to writing this. And like to have that urge to perform and to have been the writer (laughs) of it, like you have that right to be the performer. I think to sort of like give that up to somebody else is would be like a huge ask you know like like for example taylor swift not you know like a good good songwriter not maybe like not the best singer in the world Mm -hmm. if someone came along and was like taylor you have to give all your songs to adele you're not allowed to perform them anymore (laughs) you just get to write them it would be difficult for her because she loves to perform so much but yeah watching him (laughs) next to all of these other people who are clearly in a different league is a little bit like (laughs) i think he also got lucky that there's not a ton of like there's there's a lot of choreography from the <laughs> from the like uh the chorus members right. but there's not a ton of dance numbers with the main yeah. cast and I was like well that feels like a good choice cuz yeah. I don't know where your sort of dancing talent lies. No, for sure. And I honestly think it it did sort of like help the narrative where it reminded you constantly that listen, you might think Hamilton is the titular star, but he's not like the main event here. And it, it constantly drove your eyes towards Aaron Burr, um, Thomas Jefferson, and then obviously uh, Eliza. And I think it allowed those characters to steal the show in a way that I think the script wanted it to anyways. So maybe it worked out for the best to have someone a little bit, a teeny bit less enjoyable in Hamilton's role because you could kind of you're like oh you know what you're not the greatest character here and you're also not the greatest to watch so I'm okay with this (laughs) 
Well, and even when, you know, the Tonys happened in the first go round, like both uh, Leslie Odom Jr., who plays Aaron Burr, and Lynn Manuel were both nominated for Best Actor in a Musical, and Leslie Odom Jr. beat Lynn Manuel Miranda. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Lynn also won like four other Tonys for the various other components of the show. So you can see how people were like, okay, well, let's give it to Aaron Burr because he's also amazing. But also, like, Leslie Odom Jr. is just has such a good voice. And mm-hmm. especially in the um, Room Where It Happens number, where he's like full out dancing and singing and hitting these notes. It's just like yeah. so freaking impressive yeah no it was it's definitely like a feat to watch this performance go down so I didn't hate it it just I was I guess it was just surprising how I wasn't as moved by it as I think I would have been five years before did you did you watch it and then read all of these articles or was that sort of in your mind while you were watching it no I really didn't go into it with any preconceived notion of like I won't like this in any way I I think I turned to Google and Twitter after because I was like, why? What happened to me? Why is my spirit dead? I loved Hamilton and now look at me. But yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I did think while I was watching it that I I think there are pieces to it that speak more now than they did before. And so I did think that like Hamilton as a piece of writing does a really good job of having a li- Maybe it's not timeless, but I think that it works in both kind of in in various different historical settings. That being said, you know, some of the information that's not in the script, I think, is, uh, you know, that's an issue of itself. But as far as like the themes go, I think it works for like uh, Obama era and it also works for Trump era in the themes that it's expressing. So, yeah, I thought that that was I, I was glad to see that at least it held up on that. Yeah. Level. I think it's like, I can see people enjoying watching this performance in 10, 20 years, just like people enjoy, you know, lis- listening to Wicked or how they'd like to watch Wicked again. Like, I think it's just one of those shows that it really worked in such a surprising and new way that it's easy to revisit in any medium. Oh, yeah. Well, and if we're going to talk about problematic plays, we should definitely talk about Phantom of the Opera, which is somehow, you know, still performed despite being, like, <laughs> very creepy. There's like, I saw of, that I saw that a couple of years yeah. ago and was like, oh, gosh, like, how yeah. is this still in theaters? <laughs> like, clearly this is only here for nostalgia purposes. Yeah. No. I. Uh, so would you say this is a now, later, or just never? I would say this is it now. I mean, I I enjoyed watching it the first time. I enjoy watching it now. I think the music and the talent and the actors and the writing are all so good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that, yeah, there, like you brought up, there are some points where it would have been nice for it to have some other different, you know, historical points brought into the mix. Mm-hmm. But I think that, as a whole, it's a really well done piece that is that is like a net good in the long run. And yeah, and I think especially like, I mean, if you're someone who hasn't really engaged with Hamilton at all up to this point, like it's well worth mm-hmm. watching because um, I think there's a lot there, especially if you haven't looked at it at all. Yeah. And I mean, like we've said, musicals can just be so elitist, so it's great that this is available to the masses and literally anyone with a TV. So 
I think it's and there for whenever. <laughs> well, and I was thinking, you know, if this does well, which I think it will, then maybe that will encourage other shows to be like, hey, you know what? After yes. Dear Evan Hansen closes on Broadway, maybe let's sell that to somebody and not just stick it in a library because, you know, people will pay money to watch this stuff. Yes, that's what we're going for. We need to have Six the Musical get its... Stage production. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was listening to that while I was working out the other day. So good. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, and did you know that the day that it closed was supposed to be Six's premiere? Like we saw it in previews, and the premiere night was supposed to be the night that like they shut down everything in New York. I was like, how depressing is that to like wake up that morning and be like, tonight's the night. It's the big <laughs> yeah, premiere, and then it's like, sorry. I know. Psyched, we're closed for <laughs> ten months. Like, and I don't. I mean, I hope they come back. I think, I think it would make sense that those shows would come back because, like this, the stage and the set and the props and everything are all done, and it's not like they're going to have anything else in the works <laughs> during this time. Um, so I think, for, especially for something like Six, where the talent isn't going and doing other things, you know, it's not like yeah. it's Matthew Broderick or something. Um, that. Yeah, that they would keep going, but it is it is sort of depressing for all those people. Well, this um, is a good uh, segue into the rapid fire questions because I was going to ask, what has been your favorite live musical performance? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I did love Hamilton. I watched Hades Town mm. um, earlier this year with my brother, which is a very different type of show. Um, it's a musical, it's like sort of folk music and it's almost so like the music is so normal. It's not really plotty music that Mm -hmm. the show doesn't really have that much plot to it as a whole, but it was very beautiful. And I've listened to that music a lot and that all of the actors were really good. And I did get to see the original cast for that. So that was definitely up there. (laughs) I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I saw that I mean, Honestly, the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child show oh. is is a sight to behold just because, like, the magic that they're doing is really cool. Um, maybe not a full endorsement of that <laughs> given the current situation, but it was very interesting yeah. to watch. What about you? I honestly, I mean, we talked about how moved I was by Six, the musical. Oh, yes. Um, so I Because you were sitting next to me. Yeah. It was, you know, just part of the experience. <laughs> no, it was just a whole moment. And I, I think, you know, Rob often, like, we will ask, like, oh, what's your favorite movie musical? What's your favorite musical, like, soundtrack? And I don't know if Six will, like, stand the test of time like that, but... The moment, like, watching it was just one of those things that was so unexpected, and it took me by such surprise that I think I'll just always remember that, like, watching it. And so I think that's my favorite live performance. There's, like, three or four songs in that show that are straight five that I've (laughs) listened to numerous times. I know. I loved it. Okay? I will not be ashamed. (laughs) Never. Um... What if Lin-Manuel Miranda came to you and was like, hey, I need an idea for my next musical. It's going to be about something in history, but like, what should it be? What would you pitch him on as like an historical moment that you want to see with hip hop? I I had had a similar question prepared, so I have an answer. I think 
And I was trying to research how to pronounce her name because I know that we've gotten it wrong as a culture. But Sacagawea, I think, would be a very interesting and fun perspective because it could be from her perspective dealing with these two white boys who are like taking credit for everything she's showing them and like don't take the time to understand her or her culture. And she has to like walk them through it. And like, they think she's the baby, but she's actually like manning the show, you know? And so I Mm -hmm. think that could be a very fun uh, person to explore sort of like how six elevates these women we don't really talk about. And so I think an energy like that could have potential. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I would watch it. Yeah. It feel it feels I mean, honestly, if he can take Alexander Hamilton and make it interesting, <laughs> I think that Lewis and Clark, yeah, also yeah. like the and the and that's like much more of an adventure story too. Yeah. So it's a little I'm different, but like also feminist, and then you also get to highlight the indigenous people. So it's like a a win all across the board. Mm-hmm. Um I what I've recently been watching The Crown mm. and so going in a very different direction here. Um but I feel like the I I have found that story much more interesting than I thought I was going to find mm-hmm. it. And so I feel like some kind of musical involving Queen Elizabeth would be interesting <laughs> if it has not already happened. And yeah. there's like lots of random characters that you could throw into that mix as oh, well. Oh yeah, you could do like a whole Jeffrey Epstein like Prince Andrew oh, well, angle. Well, yes, yes. <laughs> Yikes. <Very> timely. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, Princess Diana, Princess yeah, Margaret, yeah. you know, all kinds of Winston Churchill. Oh, you know. she's been around the block. Like, uh, she's got some wild stories, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Riding a horse as a 90-year-old. <laughs> I was trying to think of, like, people who, like Alexander Hamilton, whose lives you feel like have where there's a lot of different chapters and stuff you could get into. And I was like, she is one of those people. So yeah, for sure. So other question, which I might already know the answer to, but what is the wildest thing you've done for Broadway tickets? Oh, I mean, I, so in New York, you can, if you're here, you can get, and you're like it's the day of you can get tickets by just going and waiting in line or like entering a lottery by the theater. So I have done that for lots of different shows <laughs> just because, you know, if you buy tickets ahead of time, the tickets are like over a hundred dollars oh, yeah. often, like sometimes a lot more than that, where if you go day of, especially if it's a play or something that's newer, that's not as well known, you can get tickets for like, I don't know, $20, $30. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times they're really good seats. Um, so I've done that. I'm trying to think when, when my brother was here and we went and saw Hades Town. We were trying to go see Ain't Too Proud, which is the show that is uh, like a Temptations jukebox musical. And so we went, and it was freezing that morning. And we sat outside that theater, and there was nobody else there. And I and we and I got him there super early. And I was like, oh, this is great. Like we're peak position no one's here well it kept getting closer and closer and closer turns out they didn't have any tickets that day and just everybody else <laughs> knew that except for us so that's why we're the only people there oh, no. so then he was so then we were obviously upset so we were like wandering around and Hades Town has sort of like a last minute standby thing where you it's standing room only and you have to kind of like get to the theater a few hours before and then like maybe they have tickets maybe they don't 
So we ended up doing that. So that was a a day just because basically the entire day we were standing in various lines and it was maybe like 20 degrees outside. It was freezing. And he was not super pleased, but the show was really good. So just that whole experience was a bit much. Do you have a good story? Every rush is just miserable. But um, so I guess this is the saddest story, but I, when I first moved to New York, they were doing in-person lotteries. And so I decided to go to the lottery for Matilda. Um, and, oh, I did that one too. Yeah. <laughs> and I got there and there were like, there were like 43 people there. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm a hundred percent getting this show or something. Like I, I don't remember how many tickets they gave out, but I put my name down. I put it in, I like waited around for them to draw at random. People were being called, people were being called. And then it comes down to there's two people left who can each get two tickets each. And I'm one of them. And I'm the only person in the whole rush line who doesn't get a single freaking <laughs> ticket. I just wasted like an hour and a half of my life. It was like the worst luck in the world. And I was like, man, I, I'm just not meant for this. I should never enter to win anything. So did you see Matilda? Um, I eventually like went and did it with my little sister. I had seen, so this is my humble brag, but I had seen the original London cast. Oh, on the West End. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I had gotten into that one. And actually that was when I was on my study abroad. We woke up at like 4 a.m. because they were doing five pound tickets to Matilda. And so you have to be like, you have to be first at the door when they open it at 10 a.m. So we were there so freaking early. And we were just so tired. Rob, who was on my study abroad with me, he uh, he had his shirt inside out, we realized, like, later in the day because he'd been so tired. Like, he hadn't put it on right. <laughs> and then there was, a, like, a homeless person came up to me and was like, hey, like, do you got any money? And I was like, no, sorry. And he kicked me with his bare foot and that like Ugh. really grossed me out. <laughs> so maybe that was, maybe Matilda just as an experience was cursed for me and I should have known better. Oh my gosh. That sort of reminds me of when I was trying to get tickets to see the Melissa McCarthy uh, Kanye West SNL oh, yeah. thing and I waited in line all night and then I was literally like the first person oh, who didn't get so a ticket bad. in line yeah. uh, brutal um, okay my last question for you is if you had to get some kind of Hamilton themed tattoo mm. what would you get oh interesting I'm trying to think there must be some sort of like I'm sure I would just get one of the quotes from one of the <laughs> songs like tattooed on my rib cage. What else could I do? Honestly, I'm not getting the star with freaking Hamilton on top of it. No, thank you. I'm trying to think you wouldn't of what get the, Sky- the three Skylar sisters <laughs> with the like in there. No, no, I'd pose. want something much more like subtle, like just like a very, like a very delicate, like hand, like handwritten, like cursive line of something inspiring. I think I really like the song Satisfied, but I don't know if that would have the vibe I'm going for. So maybe like I also really uh, love... Best of wives and best of women. <laughs> yeah. I would mark myself with that for sure. <laughs> That's so my brand. Um, no, but what would you do? I don't, I asked this question and then, I, and then as it was coming out of my mouth, I was like, I don't know what I, my answer is going to be. Yeah. I love the song nonstop and yeah. I love... Like 
Alexander Hamilton, like the writing stuff all throughout the play. And since I'm a writer, maybe something to do with that, <laughs> like some kind of writing, like right. some line again, yeah, but I, I don't know the, what it would I be. I think the message here is that neither of us should just get tattoos. Like we're just so bad at picking them. So <laughs> I mean, avoid it. Ex- <laughs> we're clearly going to get PSC Ryan tattoos at some yeah. point. Yeah. So uh, um, actually, my final question was, which F word do you wish they'd kept? Oh, yeah. So there was, I think, what, three F words in the original, and then they had to cut it down to one to be uh, PG-13. I love my favorite line, or my favorite song is the Washington on Your Side song. I think that's so fun. And the Southern mother effing Democratic Republicans is such a good line in that song, so I wish they'd kept that, but I can see why they felt like that was... And they just kept the one in, like, say no to this. Is that right? I don't yes. remember. It was like such a letdown. I was like, that is the Southern mother effing Democratic Republicans has such an energy to it. And they just I almost bought it. a shirt that said that <laughs> like way back in 2016. I was like, I'm going to buy this shirt. And then I was like, am I the type of person who would wear a shirt that has the F word on it, like around <laughs> New York? And then also yeah. it's like, but it's like, not only are you wearing a shirt that you know children should not read but then also it's like a theater nerd shirt i was i was like no you know what i think i'm i think i'm like slightly better than this but not by much yeah so i guess that's good life glad we're on the same page okay (laughs) ended on a good note uh well we'll be back next week i think we're talking about the new andy samberg movie that's coming out to hulu the like groundhog day sort of thingy magic pine springs palm springs something palm springs (laughs) um (laughs) yeah so we're talking about that we'll be back next tuesday with the pop culture roundup and then thursday with that anything else shelby no i mean you can always find us on social media we're at ps you're wrong on instagram twitter and you can send us an email with your hamilton thoughts at ps you're wrong at gmail.com Or tattoo ideas for Shelby if you want to do that as well. Okay, see you guys next week. (laughs) Bye.